Welcome to the C3V podcast. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke 4. Uh, it's funny, as Susanna does the pod- podcast each week, we have a pod- podcast by the way, um, she listens back to it, and how come your voice always sounds the worst when you listen back to it? But also, when we listen back to it, we hear all the ridiculous things that we say. Um, so I'm sorry for that, sorry for that part. Uh, all the things that you don't realise that you said, and then you listen back and then go, oh. But a few weeks ago, uh, I did this. I said, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to, and then I never gave a reference. <laughs> so this week, it's four, Luke 4. Okay, you listen and you learn. And then for, I, said, so I just kept going, and I said, I just gave them no reference. I just said, turn to your Bibles. So, you know, it, it all works. Just open up wherever you feel good. That's great. Uh, anyway, but if you keep keeping score at home, Luke 4, 4, 14 is where we're at. Um, and I don't know if some of you have noticed, maybe you haven't, maybe it really doesn't matter, but we're just kind of, I'm just kind of working my way through Luke. We've been in Luke since Christmas time, if you didn't know. Um, and we're all the way up to Luke 4. So we're just past Jesus in the wilderness. And Luke 4, 14 to 21, we'll see how much we get through today. It says this, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And a report about him went out through all the surrounding country, and he taught in the those who are oppressed to reclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolled up the scroll, he gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. And all the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say to them, today this scripture has been filled in your hymn. The ultimate mic drop right there. So it starts off and it says, and Jesus returned in power in the power of the Spirit, to Galilee. He'd been out, and now he was coming back to Galilee, where he'd grown up. And Galilee was pretty much the most um, uh, ethnically and diverse area um, in all of Israel. It wasn't, it didn't, he didn't return to the easiest mission field. He didn't, he didn't return to the place where they were all for him. They're all like, oh, yes, here comes Jesus. This is what we've been waiting for. They've been there. There was, you returned to a place that was full of opposition. You know, and sometimes we think that God will only send us into green fields and parklands, just where it's all nice. But sometimes he says, no, I'm going, and it's going to be a little tr- tricky for you. You know, a lot of people said, I mentioned this before, but the people said to Fletcher Fletch and Pat, don't go to Vancouver. That's where churches. Well, you know what? It's easy to play in the grain graveyard when you live on pure as a race. So we'll go and we'll do it and we'll see. And in verse 4 14, here, Jesus begins his ministry into the difficult circumstances. It's shown because verse 4 14 is titled Jesus Begins His Ministry. This is the start. By verse 28, 
they take him up on a hill to try and kill the guy. Yeah. Right? This isn't simple. This isn't just like he walked in and all of a sudden the, the tides turned. Yeah. He had some work to do. It says that they were astonished at the words that Jesus was speaking. Not, I think we've got to just make this clear, they weren't astonished at how he was speaking words. He wasn't a fantastic wordsmith. He wasn't like the most, I don't think he was the most eloquent. He didn't like paint these amazing pictures that it was, oh, in the words, I just get lost in his words. I don't think it was that. It was they were astonished because he came in speaking grace for everybody. They, they were waiting for someone to come and preach judgment. Yeah. And he came and preached grace for all. And then it was like, well, if you're going to preach grace, then it should just be for us. And Jesus says, if we go on and on. See, Jesus kept on talking about he was here to save all the wrong kinds of people. And that got them upset. N.T. Wright says, it, it seems... Um, more likely, they means they were astonished that he was speaking about God's grace, grace for everybody, including the nations, instead of grace for Israel and fierce judgment for everyone else. And I think that's the balance that we've talked about a little bit. It's the balance between grace and truth. It says that Jesus came full of grace and truth. And in this in this generation that we live of faith, Facebook rants. It's like, whoever is right wins. If I can prove I'm right, then I'm, it's better for me. Right? If I, if that's, that's our goal. Oh, you, you said this? I'll show you why, why I'm right. It's all about truth. I don't know if you've seen the video that, that they have all the time of that judge that's up in New York State or whatever, the nice judge, and they always bring people in and it's always fun for them. And there was this man and his wife coming in, this older couple, and she got a speeding ticket, but he was driving to the car. And so the judge works out that they'd driven an hour to come to the courthouse so the wife could say, he's guilty. <laughs> and he's like, so you drove all this way just to say that he went? She was like, yeah, because it wasn't me. It was him. <laughs> and the judge says to him, do you put up with this all the time? And, and, and Jay says, we have a great map preach. Isn't that right, Ron? <laughs> to which he says, yes. But it's all about, it's like, I wasn't, I wasn't wrong. I need to be right. I need the truth. And we go so hard on truth. It's like truth at all costs. Or we start to see a generation that starts to say words like, it's my truth. Oh, I hate that so much. We watched this Australian reality show. And basically, they had cheated. You know, it comes out months later, but they had cheated. But this is my truth about what happened in that thing. It's my truth. But it's like, it doesn't matter if it's your truth. If Just saying it's my, my truth doesn't make, make it the truth. It was just to cover a lie. But somewhere it's like, if I can just say it's the truth, if I can just be right, but it's like, when was the last time that we put that to the side? When, when was the last time yeah. I took a fall for some, someone? When was the last time I overlooked truth for the sake of relationship? I said, you know what, we're just going to agree to disagree. I'll take, I'll take one for the team. I'll say it's my fault, even though I know that it's not. But there's something in us that just goes, oh, I want you to be right. I need to be right. 
But I would rather, we're here, but I would rather over grace than over truth. I'd rather take the road of grace than take the road of truth. It's got to be truth, and that's the balance that it is. That we've got to function in grace with elements of truth, and that is the balance that we walk up. But we love truth when it's about others. That we hate it when it starts to focus on us. <laughs> that's what it's hard. So it says, and as was his custom, he went to the synagogue. On the Sabbath day, as was his custom, he went to the synagogue. Can I just throw out a little pastoral note? If it was Jesus' custom to be in church every week, maybe we should make it ours. Can I encourage you about that? One of the growing, uh, one of the far fastest growing church churches in America has this space that gets your face in the place. Love it. You know, it's got it's only simple, but just get your face in the place. You know, and. This is, this is like, also, it's just never been good for us to be alone. It's one of the first things God said, yeah, yeah, this isn't, this isn't good. You there. And that's why God, God had to say, say to Abraham, get out of your tent. Like, get out of your own head. Right? You alone with your thoughts doesn't always end up good. <laughs> you got to get out. Get out of your thing. And that's why the opposite of the opposite of that, the opposite of alone is community. That's this, and community is the church. That's why we're going to put our focus into, and we talked talk about last week, into um, into help, helping people find finding God and finding friends. That's what this city needs. This city needs to find God. Absolutely, one hundred percent. There are lives that need to be changed, that and lives that only God can change. Circumstances that only God can do. Only situations that only He can change. That no matter what words come from the front, there are things that we can't do. You know, God God, God, God will do what only God can do, yes. but God shouldn't have to do what man can do. Okay. So we're going to make it. So you can, can find God. You can connect with God, and you can make friends. And if they can find God and find friends, they find community, and community is the church. It all flows into our It says we are one body and we have uh, many members, and each members do not have all the same function. Right? So some of us are the eyes, and we can see things that others can't see. We can see into situations different than what others can see into. That's great. You're the eyes. Perfect. We've got you. Some of you might be the ears. You can hear things that others are saying. They might be saying one thing, but you can hear something different. And you can hear into a circumstance and hear into a situation. We need you. Some of you might be the hands or the feet, and you put you can put yourself to work, and you can be the hands and feet of Jesus. You know, it's all the body parts. That means too that some of them are gonna come in and they're just gonna be a butt. And you can just go, well, that's obviously the part that you play in the body. You're just the butt. You know, and anyway. Moving right along. But it's here. It's here. The kingdom comes to earth through his people. And his people are the church. That's us. It's a place where imperfect people serve a perfect God. A place where limited individuals become unlimited together. So let's make, uh, make church, let's make community an indispensable part of your world. Bible says it like this, just don't forsake me with me together. Just don't. Just come. Just get your face in the place. As they say. Amen.
Shabbos. So, carrying on, it says this. <laughs> he unrolled the scroll and he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. We all, we all know that one, right? We're all got that one down. So after years of prayer and study and a wilderness journey, <laughs> this leads to this point in Jesus' life. It all comes together. And really, I think if we look at the wilderness journey of Jesus, we realize this, that it just affirmed the call that was on his life. He had to go through it. But when he came out of it, it said he went in with spirit, but he came out with power. It just affirmed who he was, who he was called by, who his source was, who he can rely on, who he could trust. That it just affirmed. So if you're going through the wilderness, don't stress out because maybe it's just affirming the call that's on your life. And he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. It was, all, it was like he came out and declared. It's like the wilderness, like we've been saying, the wilderness gave Jesus his voice. That's why your journey matters. Because you're healing, it shows that he's healed. The wilderness gives it a voice. Your breakthrough shows that he's the God of a breakthrough. Your miracle, it shows that he's a miracle worker. Your redemption shows that he's a redeemer. Do you understand something? This little quote. Um, yesterday it said this by Nicky Gumbel. It says, We may impress people by our strengths, but we connect with people through our vulnerabilities. You see, we've got to, we can't look at seasons of perceived unfruitfulness because they could actually be the seeds of your future hours. Come on. Say that again. I'm sorry. <laughs> we can't look at seasons of perceived unfruitfulness. They can actually be the seeds of your future and what you go through. So it's the whole thing we're talking about: the test of of the of the presence over the promise. Like, what do you what do you really want? Are you just in it for the promise? Are we just chasing the blessing? Are we just chasing instead of the blesser? God, I'm just here because I need your promise. I need that. Or are we here for the practice? I look back at, if you take Abraham and Isaac, Abraham had waited years for a son. He got a promise, and then nothing. Ten years he had to wait. And then he finally had a son. And then he gets to teenage years, like, like if you just start having a relationship, like he's just about to start moving into his calling on his life. And God says, yeah, I want that back now. What are you in it for? Are you in it for the promise or are you in it for the presence? Can I lay it down and say, God, even though you gave me this, I'll lay it down because the, my relationship with you is more important than anything that you can ever give me. <laughs> or do we hold on and say, God, no, 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 you gave me a promise and I'm never letting go of it. So the wilderness, it emphasizes who has called you and who has anointed you. It's almost the wilderness, it's like where do you find your validation? Because the wilderness starts 
pulling away at the things that you thought validated you. And who is my source? Who am I looking to for approval? Who can I just walk out of this even though I'm in the wilderness? Even though everyone else is over here and I'm over there. Like you called me over here. That's where I get my validation from. Are you just looking for a, a position or a title? I love the titles of Jesus. Jesus could have really had any type of title, I guess. He could have all great, you know, only refer to me as the chosen one. You know? Only refer to me as a big deal, please. You know? Only refer to me as God Almighty. You know, all these things. But if you look at the time titles that Jesus gave himself, the number one title he gave himself was Son of Man. Who's this? Human? Just human. You can just refer to me as a human, please. You can just refer to me as normal, as one of you. That's it. Not, not master of you know, king or whatever. You know, he called himself teacher. A lot of these too, I realise, are things that are kind titles that we could have too. I'm human, so I can have that title. I think it's funny that he gave himself time titles that we can have. Bridegroom, you can have that one. Tea teacher, you can have that one. There are t- they weren't these high and lofty titles. It was almost like the titles aren't important. One of the biggest ones he called himself, servant. Servant. These are all titles that we can have, that we can hide on, hold on to. As it says, you know, we looked at it last week, before he gave the apostles and the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and the teachers. Okay. In some translations say um, he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists and stuff. In my uh, here, there's a little bit of new theology that I have in my own. Um, and you can change take your life, but it's fine. Uh, but I always look at that as this that some of me need to be an apostle. Some of me need to be a prophet. Some of me needs to be a shepherd. Some of me needs to be a teacher. But some of us want the title. No, I need the title prophet. You know, it's like you prophesying to a YouTube channel that has three million people doesn't make you a prophet. I'm sorry. But that's, it's like, I'm just in it for the title. If you can just give me a title, then I can function at what you're meant to be. Jesus is saying, no, no, titles just don't matter. You want to talk to take human, take servant, take bridegroom. If you want a title, you just take one of those. This is this this year is the first time that I've had a title. And we've been at this since 2009. So don't feel like you need a tight title before you can function. Right? If God's called you and anointed you. Spirit is on you, you don't need a title to function into that. Just start doing it. Start, don't say, I need to be a prophet. Start living a prophetic life and speaking into people's lives and saying, you know what I see for you? A future and a hope. Like, live that life. Don't want the title. Be a shepherd. Like, I just, I'm just here for you. I'm caring for you. I want to see you do well. Like, live that life. Don't wait for a title of shepherd. We mean to just... So he looked at last week, it was like, or the week before. 
in Isaiah, and it said that that the Lord called me from the womb, from the body of my mother, and named me, he made my mouth like a sharp sword. And we love that part. And then it says, in the shadow of his hand, he hid me, and he made me a polished arrow. And in his quiver, he hid me away. See, we love, I just wanted to revisit a little bit, because I think there's an element where when we're going through our wilderness journey, we can look at it like it's a bad thing. But actually it's a season, I think, where God will hide you away. And it's almost like in his mercy. I said the other week, sometimes he hides you away because he doesn't want you to go through all of this. But also I think there's a side side of it where God hides you away because the whole world doesn't need to see you going through this stuff. And it's like an act of mercy. He says, I'm going to pop you over here. And you're just gonna, and you can work through your stuff, and everyone doesn't need to know about it. You know, trust me, it's way better to be working through your stuff hidden away than it is in front of a crowd. You don't need the prying eyes. You don't need the people looking after it. So don't don't despise the hidden seasons. And it's funny that he uses an arrow. He says, "You made me like a polished arrow." Here's a hint. Here's the thing about arrows. They, they didn't just go down to the shop and buy some. They didn't just go down to Bass Pro or whatever and, and, and pick up a bunch of arrows off the shelf, and that was the way. If you wanted an arrow, you would make an arrow. And there's a process to making an arrow. So when God says, I, I hid him away and made him an arrow, he's saying, I hid you away and I put you through a process of making you an arrow. And the first step in making an arrow, <laughs> you guys, you're either going to love, love these or you're going to hate these, okay? There's no in between here. Uh, the first stage of making an arrow is pruning. And they would find a stick and they would look at and there'd be some really obvious imperfections. And I feel like that's how God, when God get, gets a hold of your life and he looks at you, there's, there's typically some really obvious imperfections that are going in your world. And God says, you know what? We're going to deal with those first. You know, We're going to get your, your relationships right. We're going to get your, all the things right. We're going to get rid of all the obvious imperfections. You know, when you did that, that was really obvious. You know, when you spoke, when you gossiped, when you, when you said that, when you slammed the phone in their ear, when you said you're dead to me and you drove off in your car, whatever it is, he said, these are some really obvious imperfections that are going on in your world. We're going to deal with them first. And we think, perfect, yep, good. Now that they're gone, now I'm ready to go. Because, oh, actually, there's another. Then, then comes the sanding. The sanding sands away the more subtle imperfections that stop an arrow from hitting its mark. If we go, God, deal with the obvious ones. And he does. And you go, good, I'm ready. And then, and then you take a step and say, well, actually, we're just going to deal with all the things inside now. All the hidden, all the subtle imperfections, the hard issues, the bad thoughts, the thing like, oh, do I really? I don't really agree with that. All, those, all, the, all the inside stuff he starts dealing with. And it's funny, this is always with the point that you will hit your mark. It's always with the point that you will 
hit the intended zone that God's got for you, that you'll end up where you're meant to end up. Then the next part is called the flat fletching. Well, you've all been through that for the past 10, 20 years. <laughs> just uh, that's when, so you go, okay, God, you've dealt with the obvious stuff. You've dealt with the internal stuff. Surely now I'm ready to go. And then there's the fletching where they, they put the feathers on the side of the arrow that stabilize it and gives it back to points. He says, yeah, okay, you're almost there, but now you're going to go on a journey. And while you're on your journey, I want to make sure that you're ready and you're balanced right and you've got stability the whole way. So when I let go, when my hand lets go, you hear, you end up over where you're meant to go. I want to make sure that you're ready for the journey. And then finally, it's called cresting. And they would take a mark and they would put it on the arrow so you know who you are. And I feel like that's it. God says, now I'm ready. Now you're ready to send. Now there's no obvious. Now you're standing down, you're smooth, you're ready and you're balanced. You're getting ready to fly. And he pulls you from the quiver. And you think, finally, this is it. And he puts you in the bow. And if you've ever noticed, there's this kind of like holding point. And that's the point where you're like, oh, come on now, just let me go. Come on. And I feel like so many people get to this point and then they go, this point, and then they drop off. This point, and they say it's never going to happen. He says, if you can just hold on, hold that a little bit longer, hold it. It's like, you know. Braveheart or Lord of the Rings or whatever. It's like, hold it, hold it, just for that right moment. Because it's Jesus' stepped into the synagogue and he said, the spirit of the Lord is on me and has anointed me. It's like the anointing reveals you. It's the anointing that releases you. It's not your timing. It's his timing. You're like, just let go, just let go, just let go, just let go. And he's like, hang on. I'm coming around. This is the perfect time. It's the anointing that releases us. It's the anointing that lets us go. It's the anointing that reveals us. And it's like as that enemy comes around the corner, there's already the arrow on its way. And you're revealed. But it's too late. You know, Jack, this week I've got to ask this. Did you think that you would end up in this position? And I was like, yes, but I didn't think it would be this one. I didn't think it would take this long. I didn't think the journey would be this. But so, but that's it. That's not on me. It's not on my time. I just want to be faithful and ready so when he does release, I'm ready to go. Not that he's reaching back for the quiver and I'm out at Starbucks. Or I'm not here. Or I'm not where he's positioned me. And he's reaching for something that's not there. I want to be ready. And I just said, you know, it's that's it. One plants, one waters, God brings the growth. He does it when he does it. And we can't control that. And we've got to be good with that. I said a long time ago, it's not the long way. And it's not the wrong way, it's the long way. And I guess ultimately what I want to say is this, don't resent the journey. You see, if I want to go like to Harrison Hot Springs, I can just take the highway and hang a left and we'll get there. Or I can go through Burnaby, through Port Meadows, uh, Port Burnaby, and then over to Quitland, and then through Pitt Meadows. I can follow the river up the inside 
and, and make it there. Like one way's quick and fast, and one's windy and turny, but following a river. But both is a journey. Don't resent the journey. Enjoy it. It's not the wrong way. It's just the long way. <laughs> it's not. It's... <laughs> but I think a season is coming where you're about to be revealed. And some of you might be seeing more and feeling like that you have been hidden, that you've gone through a season where God has popped you to the side. And you don't quite understand. You're going, God, you've put me through process after process after process, and I'm ready. But I feel like we're about to walk into a season where you're about to be revealed because you are great people and you, you, you deserve to be unhidden, to be put on show. I think, too, it's the same for our church that we've gone through a season where our church has been hidden away. But I believe we're coming into a season now where this church is about to be revealed. Yeah. That, this, that what we have here, the spirit that's here, is ready to be opened up and released, even just through our movement. We're starting to see more and more that that, that we're starting to be revealed, that, that the covers are coming off, and I think we're ready for it. It's time for him to shoot us in the function, in all that you've been created to be. And that's why last week we get on the thing, we'll stay on this for a while, is this, that you're not a volunteer, you're a minister, that you have a part to play that you have a position to play, that we need you. This house will not be built just on means of and we'll be built on the hands and minds and hearts and spirits of all of us coming together. And like I've been saying, it's because your wilderness will get a voice, because your gifts need a voice. Your talents, they need a voice. Your uniqueness, it needs a voice. Your flaws need a voice. Your scars need a voice. Your victories need a voice. It's in you. It's in each of us uniquely putting our hands to the plow. We're all different. We're all unique. We all look at things different. We all say things different. We all have a point of view, but we can all play a part in this. And it's not about, well, once you're perfect or once you hit that, because there's no way in the Bible where it says perfection is it. If perfection was the point, I wouldn't be standing here. Because you can go, well, I didn't grow up, at, yeah, so what? I grew up in a, a blended family. My, my parents split up when I was young. I was an only child, a middle child, an eldest child child, all at the same time. I have a, a struggling relationship some, sometimes with my dad. I've got flat feet, I'm blind, I've got a speech impediment. Whatever it is, but when he's weak, I am strong. Yeah. And if he was just waiting for perfection, then we would never be in this. It's not perfection, it's consistence. And that's why your talents, gifts, Flaws, victories, all the things, that's why they all matter so much in the building of this house. And if we can come together and embrace that and connect with that, and my story helps your story, and my walk helps your walk, and you help over here, and you pick up, and you phone, and you meet with, and you coffee, and you dinner with, and we join together, we have life together, we have community together, that in itself is the kingdom of God, that is the church, that is the part that you play. And Jesus said, and he anointed, and the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. And we stop there, but it goes to this. It says, two, because there's a point. There's a point of being anointed. 
There's a point of the Spirit of Lord, of the Spirit of the Lord being on you, and it's to, it's to do something. It's not for your good feelings and your good vibes, and I just need the Spirit and I get lost in His Word. It's not about that. He anoints you and He calls you to a purpose, to a point. And through this whole chapter, we'll go more next week. Jesus only says me three times, and He says to seven times. It's like double the amount that it's for you, it's for somebody else. Come on. And that's where we're going. That's the part. He's anointing you and calling you to do something. To step into your community. To be the answer to someone's need. To be the answer in someone's world. Whatever it is, he's calling you to that. To that. Thanks for listening to the C3V podcast. To find out more about our church, visit us at c3v.ca.